Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is the podcast for the journal Neuropsychopharmacology. I'm Cynthia Graber. It's known that there's a relationship between post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD, and a higher rate of opioid abuse. What isn't understood, though, is what that relationship is. Does PTSD cause people to turn to opioids in particular among all the potential drugs of abuse? Or is there something about opioid use that makes users particularly sensitive to trauma? This is just what Michael Fanslow, professor in the psychology and psychiatry departments at UCLA, and his colleagues investigated for a recent study in the journal Neuropsychopharmacology. He says opioids aren't the only problem for people with PTSD. For instance, there's known to be a higher abuse of alcohol. But he said in general in the population, alcohol is highly abused. What was seemed to be unique is that if you take someone who has a substance abuse disorder with alcohol, their proportion of, to go on to develop PTSD is about the same as PTSD develops in the population. So, you know, 8 to 10 percent of the population will develop PTSD because of experience with a trauma. And that rate is the same for alcoholics. But when you look at people who have opioid use disorder, what you find is the rate is much higher. It's more like, you know, in the 20% range. And so it seems to be unique in that way that, you know, somehow there seems to be a tighter relationship. And so we wanted to really focus on this relationship between opioids and PTSD. For this study, you and your colleagues wanted to test whether opioid use led to a particular sensitivity to trauma rather than whether trauma leads to a greater propensity for opioid use. How did you test this? What we did was we gave mice a series of opioid injections, morphine injections, which is the prototypical opioid. They received these twice a day. They started with a low dose and we moved them to a high dose. So it was escalating over their experience. And this just went on for a week. After the week, we stopped the drug. The animals uh, were withdrawn. So withdrawal was over. Then we placed them in a novel cage, a novel chamber. And while they're in there, over the course of 90 minutes, they get 15 uh, electric shocks. They're aversive. They're mildly painful. Um, they are unpredictable. And, you know, if you felt them yourself, you would pull your hand away and say, ouch, you know, that, that bothers me. So that's the significant stressor that they receive. And what we've shown in prior research is then we take those animals that have received the stressor at any time later and just give them a mild stress in the course of this experiment. It was a, just a single shock, so just one shock. And normally when you get something like a mild stressor, like a single shock, 
you react, the, the animals will learn a little bit of fear. And we measure the fear with a freezing response. So rats and mice, when they become afraid, basically stop moving. And that's how they protect themselves. That response, this freezing response, is always very graded to the stressor they received. So with one shock, they would freeze a little bit, but not that much. But the animals who've had the significant stressor before this 15 uh, shocks over 90 minutes, those animals show a massively enhanced response to the single shock, the mild stressor. And then what we found with the uh, animals who had the opioid experiences, those animals actually froze even more to the mild stressor than the other animals who had been stressed but never received the opioids. And how big a difference was this? Was it subtle or was it really dramatic? This was a pretty marked increase. So we really, our mild stressor was so mild that the mice reacted just a little bit to it if they hadn't had opioids before. But the animals who had opioids went close to their maximal rate of freezing. So a very, very significant fear response occurred um, because of that. So you were able to either reduce or enhance the experience of withdrawal in order to determine that it wasn't the withdrawal that caused the strong response to a stressor. It did seem to be the opioids themselves. And now the mouse brains, you looked at their amygdala. Why? What do scientists understand about this as a marker? So the amygdala is really known to be very important for anxiety processes. It's overactive in people who have PTSD. And we have found in our animal model that the stress causes an increase in a particular receptor that are on the neurons, the nerve cells in the amygdala. Um, And these receptors are sensitive to the input from other neurons. It's um, other neurons that are sending information into the amygdala release a particular neurotransmitter, glutamate. Glutamate excites the neurons that it acts upon. And there are specific receptors for glutamate on these amygdala neurons. And what we found is that one particular protein that is part of the receptors that read the glutamate signal from the other cells uh, is increased. It's it's enhanced. It's very um, sustained enhancement in this protein. And we observed that, and that was very correlated. That protein increase is very highly correlated with the amount of anxiety these animals are showing in the PTSD model that we're using. But we found that in the animals who received the the opiates, what's correlated very much with their increased anxiety was an increased expression of this particular protein. And so interestingly, morphine by itself didn't increase that protein, but when morphine was combined with the stress, we saw an even greater increase in this protein. Interesting. Do you understand what the mechanism is? Well, we don't, and that's certainly something we're really interested in finding out. So we're interested to find out why this protein is increasing, and in particular, why it's staying increased for so long. And our reason for that is that if we find the reasons behind this increase in the protein, and it's, that protein is causally related to the behavior, then if we can reverse or mitigate that increase in protein, we would have an avenue of treatment. Did anything in particular about the results of this study surprise you? I think the results in general totally surprised me because you know, I really thought this comorbidity was really in the opposite direction, that developing PTSD led to the drug abuse. And I'm not saying that that's not true. That certainly is true. But I really didn't think, you know, we were trying this because we saw this relationship between opioids and PTSD. 
but I really didn't think the experiment would work when we started. I, you know, we were trying it. I thought it was a long shot, um, but I was really surprised by how powerfully this, this one week of, of experience with opioids really led to quite a long increase in susceptibility to the effects of stress. How closely does the timing in a mouse model mimic what might be happening in humans? I think it's fair to assume that those time courses would be similar. So because mice have a shorter lifespan, it's usually thought that a week of experience for them is a much more significant portion of their lives than a week of experience for us. So I think it's fair to assume that people would have the same sort of vulnerability for at least as long as the mouse, maybe longer. So how, in theory, might these results translate to human trauma and opioid use? So we know that opioids are prescribed pretty commonly in situations where people undergo trauma that are receiving stress. So, for example, in the military, you know, that's a situation where you're often subject to very potent stressors. You're also likely to get injured if you have pain from that injury. Then opioids are an important treatment for that pain. But the question then becomes, if you've been treated with opioids and you're in the military, how soon should you see go back into service? When should you see combat after that? And our results say you should at least wait some period of time after opioid experience before a person is put into a situation where they're likely to receive a stress. These results are really intriguing. What other research do you think now needs to be done to tease out this relationship? I think two things. One is when you change the drug regimen, let's say you are given the drug for a more prolonged period of time. Does this lengthen the period of vulnerability? That's an absolutely critical question. And then the the other really important part of the research, but a particularly hard part of the research, is to find exactly what's happening in these nerve cells when the that the opioid experience is leading to this longer term change in how they react to stress. What's causing that? And if we find that out, that should tell us what kind of targets, what drugs we may need to develop in order to reverse this kind of effect. This is the podcast for the journal Neuropsychopharmacology. To read the article discussed in the podcast, go to www.nature.com slash NPP. I'm Cynthia Graber. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.